Book One, Chapter Four of Robert Falconer by George MacDonald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Robert Falconer by George MacDonald. Chapter Four, Shargar. Robert went out into the thin drift, and again crossing the wide, desolate-looking square, turned down an entry leading to a kind of court which had once been inhabited by a well-to-do class of the townspeople, but had now fallen in estimation. Upon a stone at the door of what seemed an outhouse, he discovered the object of his search. "'What are you sitting there for, Shargar?' Shargar is a word of Gaelic origin, applied with some sense of the ridiculous, to a thin, wasted, dried-up creature. In the present case, it was the nickname by which the boy was known at school, and indeed where he was known at all. "'What are you sitting there for, Shargar? Did nobody offer to take ye in?' "'Nay, none of them. I think they maun be all in their beds. A most dreadful cold.' The fact was that Shargar's character, whether by imputation from his mother or derived from his own actions, was none of the best. The consequence was that, although scarcely one of the neighbours would have allowed him to sit there all night, each was willing to wait yet a while, in the hope that somebody else's humanity would give in first, and save her from the necessity of offering him a seat by the fireside, and a share of the oatmeal porridge which probably would be scanty enough for her own household. For it must be borne in mind that all the houses in the place were occupied by poor people, with whom the one virtue, charity, was in a measure at home, and amidst many sins, cardinal and other, managed to live in even some degree of comfort. Get up then, Shargar, ye lazy beggar, or are ye frozen to the door-stand? I's away for a kettle of boiling water to louse ye. Nay, nay, Bob, I'm no stookin'. I'm only some stiff with the cold. For well, but I am cold, said Shargar, rising with difficulty. Give us a hold of your hand, Bob. Robert gave him his hand, and Shargar was straight away upon his feet. Come away, Noo, as fast and as quiet as ye can. What are ye going to do with me, Bob? What's that to you, Shargar? Nathan, only I would like to ken. Have patience, and you will ken. Only mind you do as I tell you, and do not speak a word. Shargar followed in silence. On the way, Robert remembered that Miss Napier had not, after all, given him the receipt for which his grandmother had sent him. So he returned to the boar's head, and while he went in, left Shargar in the archway to shiver and try in vain to warm his hands by the alternate plans of slapping them on the opposite arms and hiding them under them. When Robert came out, he saw a man talking to him under the lamp. The moment his eyes fell upon the two, he was struck by a resemblance between them. Shargar was right under the lamp, the man to the side of it, so that Shargar was shadowed by its frame and the man was in its full light. The latter turned away and, passing Robert, went into the inn. "'What's that?' asked Robert. And did not ken, answered Shargar. He spake to me or ever I kent he was there, and guard my heart gives sich a lelp at it most fell into my breeks. And what said he to ye? He said was the devil at my lug that I did nothing but cow my hands to bits upon my shoulders. And what said ye to that? I said I wist he was, for he would ablins have some spare heat about him, and I had not quite enough. Weel done, Shargar. What said he to that? He laughed in sport, given I would list, and gave me a shillin'. He did not take it, Shargar, asked Robert in some alarm. Ay, did I? 
catch me no take a shillin but they'll hold ye till it nay nay i'm o'er in need for a sodger but that man was nay sodger and what more said he he spurt what i would do with the shillin and what said ye ow sang ye came oot and he got away and ye did not ken what it was repeated robert it was some like my brother lord sandy but i did not ken said shargar by this time they had arrived at yule the baker's shop bide ye here said robert who happened to possess a few coppers till i go on in the yields shargar stood again and shivered at the door till robert came out with a penny loaf in one hand and a two-penny loaf in the other give us a bit bob said shargar i'm as hungry as i am cold bide ye still returned robert there's a time for all things and your time's no come to foregather with their loaf yet does not it smell fine it's new from the bakehouse no ten minutes ago i can by the feel of it let me feel said shargar stretching out one hand and feeling his shilling with the other nay your hands cannot be clean and folks should i eat clean whether they gone clean or no i'll away in and buy one oot of my own shillin said shargar in a tone of resolute eagerness you'll do nothing of the kind returned robert darting his hand at his collar give me the shillin you'll want it all or long shargar yielded the coin and slunk behind while robert again led the way till they came to his grandmother's door go on to the gal of the hoose there shargar and just keek roon the nook at me and given i whustle upon ye come up as quiet ye can given i do not bide till i come to ye robert opened the door cautiously it was never locked except at night or when betty had gone to the well for water or to the butcher's or baker's or the prayer meeting upon which occasion she put the key in her pocket and left her mistress a prisoner he looked first to the right along the passage and saw that his grandmother's door was shut then across the passage to the left and saw that the kitchen door was likewise shut because of the cold for its normal position was against the wall thereupon closing the door but keeping the handle in his hand and the bolt drawn back he turned to the street and whistled soft and low shargar had in a moment dragged his heavy feet ready to part company with their shoes at any instant to robert's side he bent his ear to robert's whisper go on in there and creep like a mouse to the fit of the stair i mount close the door highness said he opening the door as he spoke i'm frightened robert to not be a fool granny will not bite off your head she had one till her dinner the day and it was ill singed what on of a sheep's head ye fool gone in directly shargar persisted no longer but taking about four steps a minute slunk past the kitchen like a thief not so carefully however but that one of his soles yet looser than the other gave one clap upon the flagged passage when betty straight away stood in the kitchen door a fierce picture in a deal frame by this time robert had closed the outer door and was following at shargar's heels what's this she cried but not so loud as to reach the ears of mrs falconer for with true scotch foresight she would not willingly call in another power before the situation clearly demanded it Why's shargar going that gate with me did not you see me with him i'm nae a thief nor yet shargar there may be two opinions upon that robert as just away to the mistress as no have such doings in my hoose it's nae your hoose betty do not lee 
Well, I have no such thing going by my kitchen door. There, Robert, what do you make of that? There's no offence there, I hope, give it should not be altogether my own hoose. Take Shargar out of that, or as away, as I tell ye. Meantime, Shargar was standing on the stones, looking like a terrified white rabbit, and shaking from head to foot with cold and fright combined. I'll take him out of this, but it's up the stair, Betty, and if ye speak about it, I swear to ye, as sure as death, I'll go on doing to the muckle drum upon Saturday in the afternoon. Gone away with your havers, only given the mistress spares anything about it, what am I to say? Bye till she spares, old Spunky says, ready-made answers are I to seek. And I say, Betty, have ye a cold potato? I'll look and see. Would not ye like it het up? Oh, I, given ye be not long about it. Suddenly a bell rang, shrill and peremptory, right above Shargar's head, causing in him a responsive increase of trembling. Hold out of my gate. There's the mistress's bell, said Betty. Just by till we're round the nook and on the stair, said Robert, now leading the way. Betty watched them safe round the corner before she made for the parlour, little thinking to what she had become an unwilling accomplice for she never imagined that more than an evening's visit was intended by shargar which in itself seemed to her strange and improper enough even for such an eccentric boy as robert to encourage shargar followed in mortal terror for like christian in the pilgrim's progress he had no armour to his back once round the corner two strides of three steps each took them to the top of the first stair shargar knocking his head in the darkness against the never-opened door again three strides brought them to the top of the second flight and turning once more still to the right robert led shargar up the few steps into the higher of the two garrets here there was just glimmer enough from the sky to discover the hollow of a close bedstead built in under the sloping roof which served it for a tester while the two ends and most of the frost were boarded up to the roof this bedstead fortunately was not so bare as the one in the other room although it had not been used for many years for an old mattress covered the boards with which it was bottomed gone in there shargar you'll be warmer there than upon the doorstep any gate put off your shoon shargar obeyed full of delight at finding himself in such good quarters robert went to a forsaken press in the room and brought out an ancient cloak of tartan of the same form as what is now called an inverness cape a blue dress coat with plain gilt buttons which shone even now in the all but darkness and several other garments amongst them a kilt and heaped them over shargar as he lay on the mattress he then handed him the two penny and the penny loaves which were all his stock had reached to the purchase of and left him saying i'm on away to my tay shargar i'll fess ye a cold potato hot again given betty has ony lie still and whatever you do do not come out of that the last injunction was entirely unnecessary hey bob i'm just in heaven said the poor creature for his skin began to feel the precious possibility of reviving warmth in the distance now that he had gained a new burrow the human animal soon recovered from his fears as well it seemed to him in the novelty of the place that he had made so many doublings to reach it that there could be no danger of even the mistress of the house finding him out, for she could hardly be supposed to look after such a remote corner of her dominions. And then he was boxed in with the bed, and covered with no end of warm garments, while the friendly darkness closed him in his shelter all round. 
Except the faintest blue gleam from one of the panes in the roof, there was soon no hint of light anywhere, and this was only sufficient to make the darkness visible, and thus add artistic effect to the operation of it upon Shargar's imagination. A faculty certainly uneducated in Shargar, but far, very far, from being therefore non-existent. It was indeed actively operative, although, like that of many a fine lady and gentleman, only in relation to such primary questions as, what shall we eat, and what shall we drink, and wherewithal shall we be clothed? But as he lay and devoured the new white bread, his satisfaction, the bare delight of his animal existence, reached a pitch such as even this imagination, stinted with poverty and frostbitten with maternal oppression, had never conceived possible. The power of enjoying the present without anticipation of the future or regard of the past is the especial privilege of the animal nature and of the human nature in proportion as it has not been developed beyond the animal. Herein lies the happiness of cab-horses and of tramps. To them the gift of forgetfulness is of worth inestimable. Shargar's heaven was for the present gained. End chapter 4